You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Well, that was a nice weekend, at least from my standpoint. It was nice to take step away and have a little bit of laughs, kick back and relax and not really put too much thought into things. You were there for one of those days. Did you have a good time? I did. I enjoyed it. That was uh, it was fun to have a little bit of friendly competition amongst ourselves. That was that was pretty good. It was. Yeah. And the, the second night, which I'm sorry you missed uh, w- last night, that was even uh, that, that was even better. Uh, I remember I was laughing so hard a couple of times that I actually had tears rolling down my face because uh, I was laughing so hard. But well, you went out. I had a good alternative. I was going to say you had a good alternative. You went out to uh, spend some time yeah. with uh, with family. And I, I'm glad to hear you had a great time. Yeah, it was fantastic. Wonderful weather. Great food. Good company. It was good. Played some mm-hmm. rounds of horseshoes. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah, I, I love pitching horseshoes. Of course, we change things in the uh, the the state where I come from. We changed things about uh, I want to say about fifteen years ago. We changed them. We switched to the uh, the cornhole game, you know, because yeah. it was uh, not everybody had a, a horseshoe pit in their backyard, obviously. So we just decided, all right, we'll just make these little boards with you know a hole drilled in them, uh, mm-hmm. and and we'll just use these things. So yeah, we went that route. With well. Them. To be fair, we actually don't have a horseshoe pit. It's literally just a metal stick in the ground with horseshoes, and we just oh lob horseshoes at it. Oh, so it's not you didn't do an like actual the, pit. You, you didn't do like the mm-hmm. the gravel or anything around mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Sand, no. gravel, no, no, none of that. No, just just grass and okay. metal stake in the ground. All right. Yeah. Well, okay, that's what you like. Uh, you know, it's it's, it's suburbs. You know, so you can't really, you you don't really have that in the backyard. I mean, I guess you could, but no. I mean, it, you, I mean, it, you, you'd have to. You'd have to kind of have some civility from all the shootings that happen down there when you lose, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, safe, uh, this time, uh, you know, happy to say there was there was no shootings. No shootings? No shootings, yeah. You didn't You didn't actually, you, you didn't get on your, your horse and ride off when you, on into the sunset? I mean, isn't that how it works down mm-hmm. south like that? Yeah, no. yeah. I'm yeah. trying to break the stereotype, Bruce. That's what a lot of non-U.S. citizens actually think, you know, when you start traveling around the world, everybody thinks that when you're from America and you come from the South, that everyone has a cowboy hat and boots and a, and a gold buckle and a lariat and rides a horse everywhere and has a gun strapped on their leg. Um, you're, you're describing my childhood. Oh, I am. <laughs> <laughs> you'll still see from time to time, you'll still see someone come in on a horse, uh, you know, going to Walmart or know atwoods or something and they'll they'll be on a Mm -hmm. horse Mm -hmm. yeah i'm not i'm not knocking it you know i think that's a very relaxed uh, Mm -hmm. lifestyle i i really believe that you know i mean i i come from a place where they raise a lot of horses and you know where i'm at now there's a lot of horses around here hell there's a horse farm uh and a horse training ground that is uh, maybe quarter mile down the road a big horse ranch down there so I mean, yeah, it's all over. I mean, hell, you, you walk out, you walk out, I, I hate to say this, but you walk down some of the uh, the backcountry trails here, you're going to step in something if you're not careful. So you need, <laughs> yeah, you know, so I mean, it's, yeah. yeah. With horses, uh, there, there is actually one thing you have to be concerned about here uh, in this part of the country. 
the horse women. Uh, women that raise horses are um, oh yes interesting types. Uh, yes, I know. I I know. Moving right along. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I know we, we have some people that uh, raise horses that are women that listen to us. I know that for a fact. Um, and they're, 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 great, they're great people. They really are. Arizona AG, right? Now, this is a, I, I want to start today with some tech because we were kind of discussing some things before we started here uh, about tech. And they're moving a certain way with digital technologies. So, for example, vaccine passports, right? Let's just start there. Vaccine passports. We know that that's what their goal was. Places like New York, they, they've been able to kind of half imp implement that in certain places, but they haven't been able to get all of it like they wanted. And you notice now that cer certain countries and and people, they're just backing away from it completely because it's just it's found to be a fraud. The health minister of India has come out today and said on their state TV, their state media said, we're not doing vaccine passports. Absolutely not. You've got U.S. states that are actually banning it. You've got places here in Europe, countries here in Europe. The backlash of this thing has been so overwhelming that the EU has actually doubled down and said, OK, all right. No, no, no. We're not we're not going to worry about vaccine passports. But what we're going to do, we're going to give you a digital wallet that's going to control absolutely every aspect of your life. However, it will be implemented starting next year, but it'll be optional. Yeah, it'll be optional at first. And what they'll do, they'll get five million suckers or 10 million suckers out of 500 million people to sign on to it. And then they'll say, look, you see how many millions of people have it already and it's and it's a success? We've got to have it for everybody. That's what it'll turn into three or five years down the road if you make it that far. But I, I like the idea of what we were discussing before this. We were talking about free and open source. Now, I'm all for technology. I'm not one of these technophobes. We talked about tech here for going on three, almost four years now. We've, we've talked about that. And I'm not a technophobe. My problem is the companies that are behind it and the individuals that are in those companies. That's my problem with it. Same thing with these governments. Anytime a government has control over something like this, I don't want anything to do with it. Now, the Arizona, why do I circle back to Arizona? The Arizona Attorney General, uh, Brenovich or whatever, whatever his name is, Mark Brenovich, he says that, um, Opting out of Google's tracking system is almost impossible. Well, I agree with that. I agree with that. But if you want to take the extra steps, it is possible if you stay away from it, I think, at least in the interim. Now, if you want to throw in other things, as in uh, if Google is tracking, uh, I don't know, for example, like uh, payment systems of a business or something, or uh, if a company's using uh, Google systems or Google Analytics on their websites, okay, fine. You know, that, that part I get. But as far as the individual goes, people have been turned into, I want to say Google zombies. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but that's what people have been turned into more or less over the last decade or so, because you don't know it. Okay, I'll just Google it. Yeah. That's, that's what people do now. You don't know it? Okay, I'll just Google it. And then you get the answers based on what they want you to see. Now, does that make it the truth or does that make it a falsehood? That's up for you to decide. But more often than not, if you look at a lot of these mainstream media outlets, more often than not, I'd say most of the stuff you're getting is probably bull. That's just my opinion. According to what he says, Google knows more about where you've been than your spouse does and more about where you're going than your travel agency. Okay. That's based on the fact, at least from that aspect right there, that's based on the fact that A, you use their service and B, you go through the systems that, that use their service as well. So, for example, if you have a Google phone, then 
I would expect them to understand or to know all of those things about you. As a matter of fact, the phones themselves, whether it's Apple or Google, doesn't really matter. But the phones themselves are gathering 10 times more data on you than what you're giving that. They're monitoring every aspect of your behavior on these devices. They're looking at how many times you touch the screen, how many times you click a button, how many times you turn your camera on, what apps you use, how long you use them and why you're using them. While you're looking at these things as convenience, they're gathering behavioral information from you on the other end. Things that you're just doing passively that you're not paying attention to. That's what they're interested in. They're not interested in what apps you're using. They're interested in your interaction with that particular app and for how long and why. That's what they're interested in. How's Google going to know from my standpoint? Okay, from, from my standpoint, first and foremost, I use no Google services. I haven't used Google services in quite some time with the exception of Gmail, but that is for another purpose. I don't use it for my personal stuff. So if you want to chalk that up, that's one Google service, but that's for something else. That's not even for a personal thing. I have a Google phone, but I don't have Google software on it. So how does that how does that work? There's no backdoors into the system. I have total control over the entire thing. So how the can internet? they track? What's that? Do you use the internet? Of course I do. You're being tracked. Uh, I mean, it's either Google or uh, Amazon. Uh, well, yes, but what if you're using Tor? Doesn't matter. So... You're, you're, the bottom line, even if your data is encrypted, there's still, depending on the encryption method, there's still headers and still some basic information that, that's revealed. If you're encrypting your stuff end to end, that's probably the best way to do it. But even if you're going through Tor, there's still some headers that are attached that identify you, like your MAC address and those kind of things. So um, it, there, there's still an element of not being secure. Uh, you, you, unless you're, like I said, unless you're encrypting. If you're using, for example, certain apps like the one I was telling you about where you route all traffic through a certain provider, I'll just leave it at that, which is not illegal. Anybody can do it if you know where to look. But if you route all of your traffic, that includes all data, all data, all of it. If you route that traffic through that network, well, then how can they see that? They might be able to see that there's something there, but they can't tell who it is. I, I think that is true. But I don't have any data supporting true or false on that one because I'm not a I, I, I don't trust Google. So it is what it boils down to. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know the kind of systems they have in the background. I, I don't know I don't what kind of back does. doors are in place. I don't think anybody yeah. does. And the people that have come forward to groups like Project Veritas and the rest, they even say, my God, this is not a company you want to mess with. Uh, this is yeah. They, they do some pretty horrific stuff behind the scenes, and these are people that cr that code their algorithms. Yeah, that's why that's why I'm I'm left uh, I'm left skeptical that we we can fully the the bottom line as well the the other issue you run into I don't know what kind of deals they have going on with like cell companies cell phone companies or or because uh, for example most web traffic goes through Amazon Web Services. Something like 60-some percent of web traffic goes through Amazon Web Services. Now, that that could just be data. Uh, when you look at internet and you look at like a scale of uh, what type of data is going through, there's a very small portion that's actually websites. The rest of the information going through the internet is data. It's all like your, your various apps sending in information, downloads, uh, you know, Netflix, all that kind of stuff. That's all considered data. Um, so that could be all that Amazon's doing. But let's say Google has some kind of deal with your cell phone service. Uh, you could still be tracked through that. Through So even if you're, you have a completely disabled uh, phone, as far as Google's concerned, 
if they have any kind of deal with cell companies, they could still be skimming off that data from from the the phone from the provider themselves. Do you think that uh, the reason I bring this up is because the attorney general down there says that Google is systematically compiling data on Americans without the ability to opt out. Uh, and I've been arguing that exact point for almost a decade now is exactly that. You don't have the ability to opt out of this stuff. If you had the ability to opt out of these things, and I'm not singling out Google here, whether it's Google, it's Facebook, it's Twitter, it's any of these big tech companies, any of them. I don't I don't care which one it is. Pick your favorite, whatever you use. But if you actually had this stuff explained to you in black and white and not this legal garbage that they, they put armies of lawyers on, but if you had the ability to read this stuff in black and white in layman's terms, you wouldn't agree to any of this stuff. We just click agree to the 65 page thing because no one wants to read it. And then they change it and they use it, whatever. Instagram, for example. Did you know that everything you put on Instagram no longer belongs to you? And you say, wait a minute, that's my profile. Those are my pictures. No, not after you upload them. They even say in those terms of service, you know, that stuff that's so small, you need a magnifying glass to read. Anytime you put something up on Instagram, and it's been this way for a long time. Anytime you put something up on Instagram, you no longer have rights to that. They can take that image you put up there of yourself that's been all doctored up by all these filters and everything else. And they can turn around and they can sell that image. You can see yourself somewhere on uh, on a billboard somewhere and there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing. Now, is that a privacy violation? Is that a violation of of your privacy rights? Is that a violation of the Fourth Amendment? No, no, it's not because you agreed to it. You gave consent. You clicked agree. Sort of. I've heard arguments that these um, uh, user agreements, I've heard arguments that they don't hold up in court if it came down okay. to it. All right. Uh, that's news to, to me, to, but that's good. It, it, that's the argument I've heard. We've not seen proof to that. When you, when you get government involved, I tend to err on the side of they're going to side with the corporations that make them the most money. So And keep them in office. Yeah. Well, there's a lawsuit that's going on down in uh, in Arizona. Uh, and he says this. Apparently, the suit alleges that the tech giant has continued to collect information, uh, excuse me, collect location information, even when users have their tracking turned off. Oh, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that that they go in there and they they enable that stuff anyway? Like your camera, you think that you think that that's actually turned off? You know, people people go around and they they call uh, guys like Edward Snowden uh, just for an example because let's face it, he's kind of the godfather when it comes to this privacy stuff because the world knows things because of what he did. They see someone like him grab a smartphone and the first thing he does, he goes to work on it with these tools, you know, a brand new smartphone. He goes to work on it with these tools, and what does he do? He disconnects both cameras, physically removes them. He physically removes them. He takes them out. Then he decouples the microphone. He leaves it in there because it's kind of part of the, the board, but you desolder that connection. You you break it. And then you only use Bluetooth headphones. So there's no way that they can watch you or listen to you. Oh, by the way, he also pulls the GPS chip. So the only way they can actually get you is tri cellular triangulation, which they can't they can't quite get you to a pinpoint accuracy on that, but they can get pretty close. But what one of the other things you were talking about was um like, for example, the uh, it's one of those serial numbers, the, the subscriber identities. So like every single phone has one of these things. It's like an it's like an ESN, it's an electronic serial serial number. Every single phone, every single electronic device that has the ability to communicate has something called an e, uh, excuse me, an IMEI. And it also has an ESN, an electronic serial number. And all of those numbers are unique. No two are alike. So if you subscribe to one of these services or one of these networks, then 
they have your data. Now, I think that there are ways to circumvent that. For example, the prepaid options, cash options, things like that, You can, without giving any information, you can circumvent that. Uh, but if you have one of these contracts through one of these companies, then obviously they're going to know who it is. Now, if you have a prepaid option, then you stick a, a SIM card in your uh, device from a device that's been unregistered. So you buy a device outright, strip all the software off of it, you don't sign into it, then the device is going to be listed as sold, but then it'll simply disappear from their system. If you're willing to go on the grayscale a bit, um, there are also software out there that will allow you to um, spoof that uh, information. Yes, that's true. So the uh, the lawsuits, uh, again, back to uh, back to Arizona, the lawsuits being said by the attorney general, he says it's as simple as this. We allege that Google is violating our Consumer Protection Act. What we've uncovered is Google systematically is collecting as much information about you and everyone else in this country without you having the ability to essentially opt out. Essentially, every time you th- think about this, every time you use your phone, they're tracking everything you're doing. They're collecting every amount of uh, every amount of information that they can get their hands on. That's what they're doing. They essentially know more about where you've been than your spouse does, as he said earlier, and more about where you're going than your travel agency does. Doesn't that concern people? You know, I, I said many, many years ago, and, and I got friends of mine that are uh, tech heads and, and all the rest of it, and, and I used to be one of those early adopters. I mean, hell, I was the guy that was in line for the very first iPad. I bought the 64 gig 3G version. I got it up there on my shelf. I still have it. I paid $1,000 for it. And I, and I stood in line. I was there at the Apple store. So I, I understand this stuff and, and wanting to get out there and, and get around it. I get it. But the more I started to look into these companies and I thought, my God, what are these companies doing? Social media was actually where it started for me. I thought, wait a minute, you're putting everything online? Everything? You're putting your location? I mean, how? it started with the Facebook check-ins. You remember the check-ins? Yeah, so-and-so checked in here. So-and-so checked in there. Yeah. So and, so and then they made a game out of it with another company called Foursquare. Oh, you checked in here. You do it so many times this week. You become the mayor of that section, that place or whatever. And the company will give you discounts if you show them something. Why are companies so hell bent on getting you to put your life out there so willingly? I, I never understood that. That's where it stopped for me was uh, when, when I started uh, traveling and, and doing overseas stuff. I thought, OK, this is a great way, to, as Marty used it, it was a great way to keep in touch with friends, family and, and all the rest of it. And then people started to get on to me after about a year or so because I never posted anything. I was there, but I never put anything on it. And it was just there in case it was just that this is before like, I mean, this is like smartphones were, were coming in and, and all the rest of it. So it was it was a thing where people were just starting to get like the Skype apps and everything on their phones. And it was basically a, a Facebook was a, a way of, you know, video calling wasn't really a thing. Uh, it started to become a thing about 10, 12 years ago, but it wasn't mainline like it is now. So people started to get on to me around about a year, maybe two years into it when I was talking to people on on Facebook and things. Uh, again, this has been over a decade ago, and they were saying, "Well, well, where's all your, uh, where's all your information? Where's your, you know, all, all this? Stu- where's all your listing about, you know, your personal bio? Where's, uh, where's the people? Where are the people you're associated with? Who are your family members? Uh, why aren't you posting pictures of of what you're doing?" And I'm like, uh, "I don't have any desire to put any of that stuff up." And people would start to get mad at me for that. And I, th- I thought, okay, why is this such a big deal? Why is this such a big deal? What makes people want to do that? That's something I've never understood. Is is what about that is appealing to people? I was never the type to exactly that you took the words right out of my mouth. 
I was never the type to promote myself and put myself up there as some kind of a, a micro celebrity or whatever you want to call it. The status, the likes, the, the you know, any of that stuff. I don't care what people have to comment about something. I really don't care. There's nothing I care to put out there that I want to get someone's opinion on. Maybe I shouldn't be so brash with that. Unless it's you, the listener, and you want to send us some feedback, we'd really appreciate that. But the more I started to look into these companies and the more people started to flood into these things, I thought, what is the goal of these companies? Why? Why do companies want people to do this? They want the behavior of people. There's more profit and there's more interest from these companies in the behavior than there is about uh, convenience of you and your family. That's how it's marketed to you. It's marketed to you by, well, we're going to make your life very convenient. We're going to make your life very easy. Uh, these things are going to fix all of that. And uh, and you're going to have a much better life. And you're going to be able to keep in touch with people much easier because of the product that we give you. You are the product to them and they are the product to you, right? It's a win-win situation in that respect. But the other things that they look at, the things you don't hear about, the things like the attorney general here is talking about. Yes, you can say, OK, I don't want to be tracked, but they go in and turn it on anyway. Same thing with Samsung, Sony, Microsoft. How many times, how many times have you heard about these companies getting caught over the last two or three years watching people on their cameras? Hell, the last phone that I had, I actually had to go into developer mode. I needed to go put the phone into developer mode for something. I needed to actually change a feature and you could only do that by going in there. And when I went in there, you get to see a lot of options and, and extras that you don't get to see when you're not in that developer mode. So you get to see a lot of the uh, inner workings of the phone and the device and things like that. And one thing I noticed when I was in there was the camera had been on continuously for about six months. Why is that camera on? Now, the light was not on. You know, the front light that you usually get on your device or whatever, if, you're, if your camera's on, it wasn't on. Now, the whole thing was covered up. You know, I got camera covers on all my stuff, at least on my old phone I do, not on my new one because I have access to everything on there. But why was that camera on for six months? There's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for that. I didn't I didn't authorize that. Hell, to my knowledge, I, I go in, you know how you can check like app permissions and things? Mm -hmm. I went in and I made sure that there were only two apps that actually had access to that. But yet it was still on continuously for around six months. I, and the only reason I noticed was the data counter that I had actually enabled. That's what told me that it was on. So I was actually able to go in and see how long it had been on and how much data it had used. And I looked down and I thought, man, this is using an awful lot of data. Why is this using so much data? I was always hitting my data cap every month. And I thought, what in the world is putting this thing at so much data? You know, I, I really don't do that much. I take the occasional phone call uh, through data, through uh, voice over IP. That uses data, obviously. I text through a couple of uh, through a couple of apps, one of which we use. That uses data. We make phone calls. I mean, that, that's really about all I do. Call me crazy, but I actually use a phone for what it's to be used for. I don't I don't take photos. I'm not a big photo taker. If I do have a photo, there's like one photo of me out there. And the only reason it's out there is because I put it there and it's really old. But any other photo that I take of myself, that gets run through a scrubber, right? It gets pixelated. <laughs> the face, as a matter of fact, I had to take a screenshot of you and I the other day for something. And I, I ran it through there just as a test. I didn't put it anywhere. I ran it through there as a test. And automatically it blurred both of our, it pixelated both of our faces. We look like we belonged in Minecraft or something. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is, is that you don't agree to these things. You, you don't, you don't go behind the scenes. You don't, you as the user, you don't get to look behind the curtain. So is it right? Is it right what they're doing here? Is it right that, uh, that this is being done at the state level and not the national level? You got countries like Namibia, over the weekend, I think it was Namibia. I'm pretty sure it was. Jack Dorsey and the people over at Twitter took down the president of Namibia, took down his account. So you know what he said? Okay, we'll just delete the IP access to Twitter. 
I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Um, I, I don't know exactly what it was. I, I know we were talking about it earlier. It was Nigeria. Nigeria. That was it. I'm sorry. Not, not, not Namibia, Nigeria. So that was it. So what does Jack Dorsey do? What does Jack Dorsey say? Oh, access to Twitter is a human right. You can't do that. You can't shut it down. Tell that to all the conservatives that you've been throwing off there for the last year and a half. The ones that don't agree with COVID and your narrative with Big Pharma. Is that their human right to be on there too and to speak their piece? Uh, I, I would throw in the um, opting out of all of this. Um, I would imagine the uh, corporations would say, well, when you opt out of location data, you know, all that kind of stuff, it, it's opting out. It, it's, it's barring those apps from being able to use it. Keyword being apps. You know, not I, the software. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, on the device that I have now, uh, if you use, you can install certain apps. You have to do them manually, but you can install certain apps. Uh, and I've only got a few on there, just a few key ones, but I get them from different sources because there's no Play Store. There, there's no Google Play Store. There's no App Store. So you have to go to a different repository to get them. You have to install them manually, or you have to go to their own websites and get them, which is good that they actually offer the APKs them, themselves, the files themselves. You can do it yourself. But what about certain apps that you get in the Google Play Store? What if you had access to those apps, but yet you have a phone that's been de-Googled? If you have a phone that doesn't use their software, what happens? It is exactly what you just said. Anything that requires Google services in order to operate, the apps don't work. They're broken, if you will. Uh, or certain features don't work or the app will half work. So you're, you're absolutely right. That is the case. Uh, because I tried to install one app that was Google related and the system just rejected it because it, it won't it won't work because it uses Google services in one respect. So they ask, they ask you to sign in. But since the software on the phone is not compatible with Google, it doesn't work. You get nowhere with it. That's the thing is if you don't have a phone that's been de-Googled, if you will, even if you opt out of the data and everything, as as the uh, um, attorney general is saying there from Arizona, um, it doesn't actually stop Google from tracking you or your cell phone company for that matter. Um, that that remains OS level. But when you disable location data, it bars the other apps, the third party stuff that you put on there from having access to it. Okay, you got anything else on tech? Uh, I, I love talking tech and I, we haven't had a chance to do it lately. We don't get enough uh, chances to talk about tech. I, I love talking about these devices and these these companies and, and how you know people are just, they're exposed. People are just exposed. I, I remember telling people years ago, I said, you may think that your data is safe, but it's not. It's not. And like I said, I got a lot of friends of mine who are, are tech heads. They've got like this Nest system in their house and, and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, fellas, what are you doing? I know somebody very well that has their entire home on the, I can't say it because it'll trigger for people that have it, but uh, the Amazon devices. Uh, I know somebody has their entire home on that thing. Everything's voice controlled. They can turn their, their TVs on. They can play music in another room. They can set their thermostat, you know, air conditioning, heating. They can dim the, the light in sitting on a, a certain table in their living room. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Hell, they've got appliances now that are compatible with this Amazon stuff. So like you can get an oven that's got this stuff in it. No. Are we so lazy as people that we cannot get up and, and, and go and set the oven? Are we that lazy? Are we so lazy that we can't go and, and turn a lamp on or off? Are we at that level? Well, you know, when I'm out of the house, you know, if I'm if I want to cook something or whatnot, you know, I go ahead and preheat the oven on the way home, you know. To be fair, as I'm, somebody that I'm likes to cook, to, to be, well, no, no, no. To, to be fair, as somebody that likes to cook, I see the benefit to that. I, I see the benefit sure. to that. 
Same yeah. thing with same thing with the Nest system. I see the benefit of being able to control your, you know, I set my thermostat at, oh, I don't know, 70, 78. I'm not going to be home all day. But I said, uh, you know, my drive home. OK, you know, I'll turn the air conditioner on. But this stuff where you're putting ring systems in, hmm. you're, you're putting. I yeah, mean, it's just no, no. Absolutely not. I, I'm not against home security systems. My God, I'm a big champion of them. Have been for for years. But it has to be a system you control. It has to be a closed system. You want to put an IP camera system in? They're fantastic. They're great to do. Do not, under any circumstances, connect them to the internet. Put it on your own DVR in a secure place in your home so where only you know where it is and you have access to it. Uh, a couple things I would throw in. Uh, we mentioned Amazon there. Just a friendly reminder that you have... Well, actually... I think tomorrow is when it goes into place, I think. Oh, the... Is uh, it tomorrow or the 10th? Yeah, we talked about the that 7th, on Friday. Is it the 7th or 10th? Yeah, we did. I think it's the 10th, isn't it? Anyway, the... Uh, it's one of those days. You need it's, to it's opt out. Yeah. Yeah. You, you need to opt out of the... Um, what was it? Uh, Amazon Sidewalk feature, I believe is what it was called. I Something think it's like what that. it was, where it networks all yeah. of your stuff and yeah. 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 So just friendly reminder for that. If you haven't already done that, remember to do that for your Amazon devices. But we're seeing, um, talking about uh, digital and kind of stretching over a little bit to digital dark age stuff. China has been uh, doing an interesting thing here lately. Uh, they've been oh. going after China. They've been going after hundreds. You've never heard of it? No. Uh, I've heard of going China. After hundreds. Oh, yeah. China. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, Fauci. Yeah. Yeah. They've been going after hundreds of apps, like big apps, their version of Facebook and Twitter. And they went after um, Moz. Uh, what, what is it? Their, their Amazon over there. Alibaba. Alibaba. Uh, they, they went after that because he said something um, about the government or something. So they went in and started auditing. It was last year. He said that's where he disappeared. He said something about yeah. the Chinese central bank or something like that. Yeah, something and something you, about that. You th you yeah. were of the opinion, and and it's entirely possible. You were of the opinion that it was possible that there was they were trying to flush somebody out uh, mm -hmm. at the Chinese central bank, and you saw that Jack Ma disappears. He he makes that statement. He disappears, which I don't know if he's actually been back out in public or not, but he he disappears. And there was a what was it like a ninety year old uh, CCP member who was mm -hmm. at the Chinese State Bank was found guilty of some whatever you know he's he embezzled I don't know it was like two hundred million dollars what give me a break that's probably what they were after was that or people that they were involved with that would be my guess if if that is indeed what was going on I, I really don't know I, I'm just speculating. He did. Uh, he did do a. I think we talked about it back in January. He did make an appearance. Uh, he did first okay. public appearance. Yeah, after paying two point eight billion dollars um, uh, to to the Chinese Communist Party. Oh, um, so he had to. He had to. He had to his, buy them off. Basically. Yeah, to, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. He had to. Yeah, grease the skids. But uh, yeah, we've yeah. we've forgiven Comrade Ma for his <laughs> for his uh, his whatever. He's been cleared on all charges. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Um, but the uh, Chinese government has been going through and they're not officially auditing these companies, but they're encouraging them to have better privacy practices and um, better um, things like encouraging them not to monopolize business and those kind of things in the country. So it, it seems a little bit 
sketchy when you have China coming out and doing this kind of stuff. What what is your game? What what what's going on here? China anti monopoly. That doesn't. Yeah. That that doesn't uh, work. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't play out that way. So the 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 problem is is this article's out of the um, Wall Street Journal and um, <laughs> they're a bit flowery uh, towards China. So uh huh. Yeah. The Wall Street yeah. Journal. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I was enjoying the the offshoot of a of conversation, but it had to get to this point. And the only reason we have to shift here is because you were correct, Bruce. And we, we got to point this out. Three point seven million dollars was the number that's been floating around out there of the amount of money that was funded from the NIH AID from Fauci to the EcoHealth Alliance with Peter Daszak, or Daszak, whatever you call him, I don't know. I've heard it pronounced both ways. I'm not sure which one it is. Funneled through him to the labs in Wuhan. I remember a couple of months back, Bruce, you were saying, no, it was hundreds of millions of dollars. And I'm like, okay, hundreds of millions of dollars. All right. We saw a few things, you know, a few grants here and there. <laughs> it's a little larger than that. Now, you were right on the money. You you had it. You had you had it right when you right when you did all that research, you had it. So what's come out today? This broke actually yesterday out of the Daily Mail. And they've been breaking a lot of stuff uh, when it comes to this. And I, I have I'm not playing sides here, but they've been reporting a lot of this stuff and they have the paperwork and the receipts to back this up with. Uh, and they've got them posted here and anybody can go and, and look this up for yourself. This is what they've got now. The Pentagon is now mixed up in this that we didn't know before. Now, we knew that there was a lot of money, but we didn't specifically know with the receipts where this was coming from. The Pentagon is mixed up in this. They gave $39 million to EcoHealth Alliance, the CEO of which is Peter Daszak, which funded the lab in Wuhan between, listen to this, 2013 Obama administration, where they shut it down. They they restarted it under Fauci with the gain of function out of University of North Carolina. Was it 13 or 15 that they shut it down? Because I, I know it, they did funding and then they yes, shut it down later. They shut it down in 14. Mm -hmm. Fauci restarted it in late 15 because Trump came in in 16. So they restarted it in secret. And then Fauci said at that private dinner in 2017, there's going to be a challenge in the arena of infectious diseases and there's going to be a surprise outbreak. Now, how did he know that? Uh-huh. Yeah. So the Pentagon gave $39 million to EcoHealth Alliance. The Department of Defense is mixed up in this. Uh, it came from the DOD funding came from. Can you look up DTRA, please? I should have had this uh, Defense Threat Reduction Agency. There you go. That is a military branch with a mission to counter and deter weapons of mass destruction and improvised threat networks by giving it to the Chinese Communist Party and the People's Liberation Army. Gentlemen, I think you need to be looking a little bit more at who your colleagues are. Federal grant data assembled by independent researchers shows that the charity has received more than $123 million from the government in total. 123 oh. grants from the Pentagon included a $6,491,025 from the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, as you said, DTRA, from 2017 to 2020. They continued to fund it even after the outbreak. Of course, the Fauci emails from Peter Daszak saying, hey, thanks for running interference for us on the uh, on the Wuhan lab. Thanks for thanks for clearing that up. So. We're not exposed here. We, we really appreciate that. You got Mark Zuckerberg running around in, in February of 2019 saying, Tony, apparently they were on a first name basis by that time already. Tony, here's my private cell phone number. Call me so we can set up a Q&A 
about vaccines down the road. People would be more apt to hear it from a state source as opposed to one of my Q&A sessions. Would love to talk to you about this. They were talking about vaccines behind the scenes using social media and government entities before we were even locking down. What does that say? They care about our health. Oh, yeah, they care. The EcoHealth Alliance also received $64.7 million from the U.S. Agency for International Development. (laughs) It received $13 million from the Health and Human Services Department. What the hell does the health... That's That's the welfare department. That's also wrapped up in, under the umbrella of the National Institute of Health and the CDC. Now, okay, can, can anybody at this point, if this at this point, I'm sorry, at this point, especially with this, with, with this, with the documentation that's out to prove this, and I'm sitting here looking at the ledger, with this, if you still believe that this came from bat soup, you're hopeless. You're hopeless. If you're out there in a line to get a jab for this, it's hopeless to try and reach somebody like that. It's hopeless. If you think that all this is some conspiracy theory, you know, I told somebody a few weeks ago because they were, you know, doing the usual. Oh, so when are you getting your jab? Oh, no, 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 no. You're not even going to have that conversation with me. You're going to find something worse than a dead end with that conversation with me. And my response was the same people that gave you COVID-19 are the same people giving you the vaccine. Because if you notice in here, you've got Health and Human Services, National Institute of Health and Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Centers for Disease Control. Who are all the institutions out there talking about vaccines and, and getting you vaccinated, saying you have to do this and businesses have to do that? You've got to shut down. You've got to do all this. The same people that gave you COVID-19 are the same people that are giving you the vaccine. And I got laughed at just a few weeks ago. I got laughed at. Didn't know what I was talking about. Had no clue. I hate being right in this scenario. I don't want to be. Now, they go on here. The figure of 3.4, 3.7, I mean, that 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 amount. I mean, that's what we've been talking about for quite some time. But uh, that was just directed towards Fauci in the NIH. But all of this stuff is now out in these new ledgers. The total number of grant figures that have been listed here. I mean, that that that's a, it makes three point four million, three point four million, four million, whatever dollar, that, whatever. That's peanuts. That's nothing compared to what the Department of Defense gave these people. The NIH was the one that gave the 3.4, whatever it is, the 3 yes. million. Yes. That was a cover-up, low-ball kind of a thing, you know, the conservative number. Well, the NIH, you know, they, they were looking at oh, we uh, researching this because... Yeah, yeah. You know, they're the ones that have the coronaviruses that are from bats. Why not have them research it there because it's so close? By the way, the bats um, are over a thousand miles away from the Wuhan lab, just so you know. I had to get them somewhere. In the disclosure, the EcoHealth Alliance says that... uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, So researchers James Beretta and Miriam Everett assembled grant filings from the U.S. government agencies to the EcoHealth Alliance. Uh, Fantastic work. And they they did, by the way, on that, uh, which were published on the popular science site Independent Science News in December. The site found the EcoHealth found EcoHealth Alliance's declaration of its vast military funding is nestled deep inside the privacy policy section of its website. Well, gee whiz, why would they want to do that? In the disclosure, the EcoHealth Alliance says that it is the recipient of various grant awards from federal agencies, including the National Institutes of Health, the National Science Foundation, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, the U.S. Agency for International Development, and the Department of Defense. And I have to make a correction. You were you were right. 2014 is when they paused the gain-of-function research. Late 2015 is when they restarted. No, that we did say that, didn't we? 
I, I don't know. I'm so yeah. I'm so turned yeah, yeah. around on we, all this. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so turned around on all this. So the Eco Health Alliance reportedly continued to legally fund the practice using a loophole that allowed the, that allowed for research in cases urgently necessary to protect the public health or national security. Has anything over the last 18 months been necessary to protect the public health or national security? And I'm not talking about the I'm not talking about the coronavirus. I'm talking about the response to it. Has anything about that been about national security? If anything, I would argue that the response to it is about like what you had after 9-11. You got a lot of smoke and mirrors, but in reality, you're less safe now than what you were before. Urgently necessary to protect the public health by locking everything down. First time in history that's ever been done. Do, do you know that we don't lock down populations because of a virus outbreak because it doesn't work? We've never done that precisely for that reason, because it doesn't work. In the meantime, what have you done? You've destroyed the lives of millions of people. You've destroyed millions of families. You've destroyed millions of businesses, billions, hell, trillions in wealth and global prosperity. How many people have you put under the, the poverty line because of this? Necessary to protect the public health and national security? You people are... You're, the, the, amount of, the amount of anger that I have towards these people. And I know that I'm not showing it. Usually I'm up here beating my fists off the desk or, or shouting or whatever. I'm extremely controlled right now because you have to be. People cannot lose focus. When you do this kind of research and you look into this stuff and, and you start seeing these these ledgers and these receipts and things, you get angry. I mean, I've been looking at this stuff for years, so I guess I'm numb to it. But you must maintain control. You must stay focused. Because if you lose the ability to maintain control. If you lose your focus, you start to panic. When you panic, your ability to rationalize and think logically and critically become non-existent. So the critical thinkers, the ones that can see through this, you must maintain focus as pissed off as you usually get, which I mean, if you're if you're about like me, the, the listener out there, I can understand that completely. That's what I get every day when I read this stuff. So in February 2020, and this is also covered in the uh, the Fauci emails to corroborate this. In February 2020, Daszak persuaded more than two dozen other scientists to sign off on a letter that he had written to a highly respected medical jour journal, The Lancet, that was seen as so influential that it cowed most experts into refusing even to consider that the virus could have been man-made and escaped from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. You see, that's what they do. When you reach a certain status as a consortium or as an individual and you have political capital, you can then run around and you can bully other people. That's what you do. You scare them. You intimidate them. You buy them off. These things that have been going on, and they do this on all levels. So don't think this is just limited to the political circles, the medical circles, the science circles, any of the rest of it. If you listen to the interview from Dr. Michael Yaden, you've got people that talk to him. I mean, the, the former the former vice president of Pfizer and the chief scientific officer, the man's intelligent. He's bought and sold and created his own biotech companies. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. His credentials are stellar. He says that he's now been annexed from the, uh, the, the scientific community. People that he's known for decades, that he's worked alongside, that he's done research with, will no longer speak to him. Not publicly. The ones that he does speak to privately agree with him. He even says that. But publicly, they won't. Why? Because funding. I know people, researchers, scientists, in the beginning, they didn't believe a word of it. Now, they can't wait to get the jab. You're telling me somebody that gets and lives off of scientific papers and government-funded research and funding schemes, you're telling me that um, if I'm one of these people, let's say I'm one of these researchers or one of these scientists, you'll never again have a paper published or peer-reviewed. You'll never again 
have any research funded. You'll never again work in this line or, or any other company or, or any of the rest of it if you don't agree to this. That's what they're being told. And so they do exactly what, the, what happened with, uh, with Peter Daszak. They cower in fear. They're scientists. They're not people that go out there and stand up and fight a war. They're people that, that live their lives in laboratories and they converse with other people in their circles. And I'm not mocking them. I'm not, I'm not making fun of them. That's just how they are. They're on a different level of intelligence than you or I. It's like chemists. When you talk to a chemist, brilliant people, they are, they're absolutely brilliant. They're, they're bright. They're, they're unbelievable when you sit down and you try and talk to them on their level. But what you find is that when you try to speak to them in their language, they overwhelm you because you don't know the level of intelligence that, that they're at. So they feel like they have to actually demean themselves to come down to talk to you. They only get along with other people in their circles about whom they have the common research and knowledge with. So they're able to have those conversations. They feel more comfortable like that. So they're not out here in the marketplace of ideas like you or, or, or me or Bruce or, or anybody else. They're not out here in this world. They're not able to sit down and, and talk to people. And I, I'd be honest with you, I'm not either. I, I wouldn't say it's it's unique to scientists, though, that that specific. No, it's for example, not. You, you take the average person and sit down with them and talk talk to them about uh, American football or, uh, you know, soccer, football, whichever. They can lay information and facts down like you wouldn't believe. Uh, so it's just it's a matter of finding what their interests are, venue, whatever. I heard somebody describe something, a situation like that today, because people are smart when it comes to that kind of stuff like you're talking about. Sports statistics. Stuff they're interested and, in. Yeah, things they're interested in. Uh, their, their, their job, whatever it is, uh, they're an expert in those fields. But they're not experts in things that exist in the real world that deal with everyone's, uh, that deal with the governance of your everyday life. They're not interested in that stuff. So let me ask you this. Do you think, and I'm just asking a general question. I'm not saying one way or the other. Do you think people are ill-informed or do you think that they're just lazy i think it's a combination of our society the way we raise and teach our kids and our so i'll give you an example as a christian i was taught how to be a good uh individual how to be a good father how to be a good uh man hell i was even taught you know the proper things you're supposed to do in a job and but when it comes to politics for example or things that happen in a governance position sit down and shut up that that's basically what what the the christian world teaches you is this is the, the natural world whatever happens in the governance world give unto caesar what belongs to caesar basically is the position Romans they 13. take yeah that i think is an an example of what happens here when it comes to governance and whatnot they're just not taught the proper ways, the proper, proper methods, or they aren't given the information in general. They're, they're, they're given some kind of, uh, for example, um, going through school, you were taught when it came to history, American history, that you were taught dates, times, peoples, locations. Uh, all you need to know when it comes to the history of America is how, why, and for what reason. That's it. So you, you don't need to know the who's and the wins and that that's extra information that expands your thinking. But the other you need to know the motives and what they did. That's it. That's all you, that builds your foundation for you to make decisions based on your information. So when when you're presented with governance uh, things, you, you held back to what happened in school. Well, it's just about a bunch of dates and old dead people. It, it, it's fairly meaningless to, to nowadays. It, it's old. 
meaningless and old, that line of thinking is why we're in this position. Yep. You're talking there about uh, when you learn things, whether it's about uh, history, you know, whether it's about American or, or European history or whatever. It's it's always the the names, the dates, and the actions, right? My biggest argument has always been this, especially about European history. Uh, if you look at what's happened to Europe over the last hundred years, just the last hundred years, uh, or hell, uh, th the world in the last hundred years. I'm talking about all the way from the Bolshevik Revolution to what we're dealing with now, which, quite frankly, we've come full circle in a hundred years because this is what we're seeing. But we know who. We know what, we know where, we know when, we know why. But the most important thing is the thing that's never taught, and that's how. We're never taught how those things came to be. That's the most important part. That's the linchpin. That, that's, that's the key that picks the whole lock. If you don't know how that happened, then you're doomed to repeat all the rest of it. You're going to go right back down the same road. You know, I, I, I remember reading about how... The Soviet Union happened, right? The, the Bolshevik Revolution, how that happened. It's not, that was, and I hate that. I hate that because, again, that's a twisting of history. The Bolshevik Revolution, that was not a revolution. Go back and read it. 1,200 people took over two towns and shot three people. That is not a revolution. That's an armed insurrection. It took them five years. It took the Bolsheviks five years to take over the rest of Russia. And as a matter of fact, the only Bolshevik that made it through after Lenin was a guy named Stalin, Joseph Stalin. Of course, that wasn't even his name. But what did he do? Well, you think, oh, he was a he was a leader in the in the Bolshevik. No, he was not. No, he was not. Because Lenin wouldn't have tolerated that. The party wouldn't have tolerated it. They were devoted to Lenin. You can't have a rival leader coming up in, in a system where you have someone that has absolute power. That doesn't work. Not in the struggle. So what did Stalin do? He robbed banks. He was a bank robber. He was like Klaus Schwab of his day. He was nothing more than a common thief. That's all he was. But he knew how to play the political game. He developed political capital about himself. And it's what caused his ascendance to power. He played politics. And of course, it came down between him and him and Trotsky. And of course, you know what happened to Trotsky. Kind of why we have the modern day Republican Party. But hey, that's another discussion. That's another podcast. But anyway, I want to I want to round off here with this uh, th this lab uh, and this funding. Th this funding is is just this is unbelievable. The, the amount of funding here and where it came, the Pentagon again back to this. Not surprised. I'm not either. But all the stuff that was going on behind the scenes and the the um, w with State Department and the the shadow government they were effectively making the uh, DOJ equivalent they made in Ukraine. Some of the other dealings they're doing. Yeah, we 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 knew this was coming and this was a thing. It should. It was just a matter of time before it came out. The plot thickens. Former high level Clinton administration staffer Jamie Metzl who now sits on the World Health Organization's Advisory Committee on Human Genome Editing, I'm sure there's no conflict of interest there, said that the Lancet letter was scientific propaganda and a form of thuggery and intimidation. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Change my mind. You know, I'll, I'll pull a, a Stephen Crowder there. Change my mind. A Freedom of Information Act request disclosures, uh, discloses Dasik tried to distance his charity from the letter to make it appear it was coming from a community supporting our colleagues. Oh, well, how generous. How generous of him. The charity chief, Dasik in this case, told his fellow signatories, which, by the way, he was the one that threatened all of them, in an email that the letter would not be sent under the EcoHealth logo and will not be identifiable as coming from any one organization or person. What happens, I, I talked about this last week, what happens when you create a bad name for your product? You change the name, you change the logo, you change the slogan under something else. 
so you can get the bad press off of you. The joint letter published in the journal on February 19th of last year praised the Chinese who continued to save lives and protect global health during the challenge of COVID-19 outbreak and added, we stand together to strongly condemn conspiracy theories suggesting that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin. Nothing? Uh, uh, nothing to say. I mean, it's like, told you so. Told you so. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Told you so. Which, by the way, again, that goes along with the letter that he, the email that he sent to Anthony Fauci saying, thanks for running interference for us so we didn't have to implicate the, the Wuhan lab for the origin. We really appreciate that. They know damn well where it came from. And this, this right here, this right here, th this has gone even deeper than what I thought. Now, I, I knew, I'm not surprised, but somehow I kind of had a feeling when you started to see all of the, the cover-ups and the media running interference, I thought, okay, there's got to be more to this funding then. Because if all the big guys... And all the party heads and all the rest of it, they're all dismissing this as um, some conspiracy theory. Then that means they're probably involved. You know, I, I've I've learned and I, I think that most of our listeners have learned that when the government tells you one thing, that usually means you need to look in the opposite direction and you'll figure out what's going on. Despite his close connections to the Chinese lab, Dasik was also picked by, listen to this, and we've talked about this before, was picked by the World Health Organization to be part of its 13-member team that was tasked with finding the cause of the pandemic, which began in Wuhan. So they went to the lab. They stood outside of it. There were Chinese workers that came up to talk to them. And of course, he says they weren't vetted. They weren't vetted. They were uninterviewed, uncoached, and all the rest of it. They sounded credible, according to what he said. They sounded credible. And he was then asked on 60 Minutes, he was then asked, well, uh, did you question them any further about anything involving the uh, the possible origins or, or any kind of a infected worker or anything like that? And he says, well, no, what more can we do? He's not wrong, though, at the same time. Uh, I mean, realistically, do you really think China's going to allow anyone in there to no, do investigation? No, of course not. But dismissing all of that, right? And I'm not, mm. I'm not disagreeing with you, but dismissing all of that, you can't seriously sit here and tell me that there's not a conflict of interest here. Oh, uh, I, I totally agree. But they knew what was going on. They funded the stuff. It was just it's another cover. I mean, if they were truly really concerned about this or truly doing an investigation or any of that, they would have disclosed the amount of monies that was given out. Oh, but they did. It was three point four million dollars. That's what they uh -huh. disclosed. Right. Of course, they failed to mention all the funding from the Department of Defense and the Health and Human Services and the CDC and the National uh, whatever the and I USAID. I'm sorry, USAID. Now, again. Uh, just quoting the emails that were released just the other day uh, in the FOIA request for Dr. Fauci. This is exactly what was quoted in the email from Peter Daszak to Dr. Fauci. I just wanted to say a personal thank you on behalf of our staff and collaborators for publicly standing up and stating that the scientific evidence supports a natural origin for COVID-19 from a bat to a human spillover, not a lab release from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. He wrote that in April of last year. Now, see, I think there's more to dig into here, because if you were to look at in to if you were to look at the EcoHealth Alliance in total, and they're not the only ones, but if you were to look at them in total, in, in the grand scheme of things, where does their money come from? About 90% of it, according to these reports and these ledgers, about 90%, and by the way, these are, you say, okay, well, these are just, you know, uh, cooked up documents. Oh, guess where they got them from? The IRS. The International Robbers, I'm oh, sorry, the Internal Revenue Service. Yeah, I think I had it right the first time, the International Robbery yeah. Service. Yeah. Their most recent financial statements filed with the IRS say that 90% 
of their funding at EcoHealth Alliance comes from government sources. This is the level, this, this kind of stuff is what we see with like Russia, China, Ukraine. I mean, I'd expect countries it. with heavy corruption. With this is what yeah, we I'd see. Ex- I expect it with them. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Of course, this, this kind of stuff in those countries, you, you really wouldn't hear about it, though. I mean, that kind of stuff goes no. on, but you wouldn't hear about yeah. it. But here and in we, the West... We hear about it over here, yeah, but you, you don't do this. You don't do this in the West. This isn't, this isn't traditionally what the West does. And when you jump in bed with these kind of people... This is the kind of mess you get. We're out of time. We are going to have to go. You know, I, I had a whole bunch of stuff. I wanted to go over. I wanted to go over the, the GOP convention in Atlanta today. I wanted to talk about Rand Paul. Rand Paul says that uh, his family's received all kinds of death threats because of the, the, the clashes with Fauci. I wanted to talk about that. We'll have to save that for tomorrow. Black. I want to talk about the the woke corporations. I, I want to talk about that and, and a lot of their funding. Uh, but we didn't have a chance to do that. Um uh, the uh, there was a German study that's out from the University of Munich. I want to talk about that. Uh, so I mean, I had a lot of stuff lined up today, but uh, we just didn't get to it. Just have to hold it back for tomorrow. And you know, I was talking to Mike the other day, and he says uh, he's sending me all kinds of stuff. Bless him. And uh, he says, "What about all this?" And I said, "I'm sorry, man." I said, "We'll we'll add it to the pile." But usually, we we try to stack things up. We have like a piles and piles and piles of stuff around here to go through. And we cannot get to all of it. By the time we get to whatever we want to talk about, it's already like four or five days old. And and we, yeah. we're trying to keep with the times and, and keep up with it. There's just so much stuff that's coming in from all over that, you know, from people that we know and, and stuff that we research ourselves and digging through all this stuff. It just it, it takes so much time. So, uh, you know, we, we try to do the best we can with it and try to compress it down into a uh, uh, 45 minutes. And lately, it's been a lot longer, uh, and, you know, an hour show. And, you know, we try to keep it to an hour because we know that people have lives and things. You don't want to listen to a, you know, a three hour podcast every day. People don't have time for that. So anyway, all right, we are going to have to go. So thanks for being here today. All right. For those of you who have not signed up to our Telegram channel, get over there, get signed up to us. We put out all of our podcasts we do here every day. We also put out an exclusive podcast just to our Telegram subscribers once a week. And we will be back on it this week. I hope we should be. Also, plan to be. Yeah, all right. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We are trying to grow, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we'd appreciate that. We're available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you give us a rating when you get a chance, that'd be great as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, that will do it for today. Thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.